0: medication that unbelievable. I have decided to show Andy Bernard for the next three so uh you about done with that thing yet? no not quite hmm I was thinking maybe you could share one of those truths with me if uh you know what I mean no it's gonna take a while I'm only on 34 I really want to see how this thing turns out let's <laughs> turn the TV back on amazing sensation for me wonders for me charlie i am not in the mood hold that thought i know where you want to put your hand and i'm sorry but i'm the great thing about sex and love is god made them would you look at that even the church is talking about sex Well, I remember how it was when I was growing up. <clears throat> Probably going to date myself here, but how many of you can remember <clears throat> the talk? The talk. That's what it was called. You know, have you had <clears throat> the talk with your kids yet? <clears throat> Is the facts of life or or the stuff about sex. And for some of you parents, I have just scared you to death by even mentioning the talk. Because you're saying, I don't think my kid is ready for that now. He's going to the Marines, but I'm just not sure. (laughs) He's ready for that. Well, I just want you to know that... um, The culture is having the talk with your kids, in case you haven't noticed. You know, every once in a while we'll have someone get a little squeamish about, you know, the church is talking about sex, and that that just sounds kind of scary to me. And I'm not sure that I want my kids to be part of this. And I understand that there's certain stuff that's age-appropriate, but what what gets me is that sometimes the parents who will say, I don't know if I want my kids to hear about sex in church, um, they take their kids to PG-13 movies and watch Desperate Housewives with them. And so I'm saying, you know, the, the culture is definitely having the talk with our kids about sex. And one of the things that you'll notice that whenever uh, the culture has to talk with us about sex is often within the context of money being exchanged. For instance, if you go to the movies today, it's really hard to find a movie that's not pretty sexually out there. E- even if it's just rated PG, <clears throat> usually there's something in there about sex. And, and, and it's the same thing when you watch television because, you know, when you watch the, the, the shows that there's usually going to be sexual innuendo and, and some outright pretty straight sexual stuff out there. And what, what's happening is that people are trying to sell you something, and they use sex to sell you. <clears throat> For instance, Abercrombie and Fitch, they don't sell jeans, they sell sex. And, and so the idea is if you'll buy our jeans, we'll give you some really hot sexual images. The same thing with movies. You know, if you'll buy a ticket to our movie, we'll give you some sex. We'll put some sex right out there for you to watch. And, and maybe that will cause you to want to come in and buy our movie. Same thing with television. You know, we're going we're gonna to give you some sex if you'll watch our program. And oh, by the way, you need to buy this toothpaste because it will make you sexy if you buy this toothpaste. Or if you buy this car. See, the, the culture is having the talk with us about sex. And I'm talking to some of you parents, and your kids are eight years old, and you're saying, well, I I haven't had the talk with my kids about sex. You're too late. You're too late. I assure you, they know about it. Sometimes it's peers that have the talk talk with us about sex. Uh, Many of us had the talk about sex when we were in school. I went to public school all 12 years in Texas growing up, and we had sex education. And They had the talk with me about sex. But one of the things I noticed about the talk that uh, I got in school is is that it was pretty well along these lines. Number one, don't get anybody pregnant. Don't get pregnant. Don't get a disease. And then there was some stuff about plumbing. (laughs) That's pretty much sex ed. They had the talk with me about sex. Um, when, I, when I was in science classes, the science classes, the biology classes, uh, the GPS classes had the talk with me about sex from an evolutionary perspective, and it, it said that you know we're all the product of primordial ooze, and we just kept getting up and up further and further up the chain, and finally you know we became the head of all the animals, and so here is the biology of it, and, and after all here is the science of attraction. Hey, have you ever noticed, this is really cool, because <clears throat> when people start getting away from what God has to say, they get these contradictory messages. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm going off the beam here, but one thing I, I tend to associate with liberalism is like this, this heavy promulgation of evolution. And if you talk to the average liberal person and say, do you think that sex is only for procreation? They'll say, oh, of course not. That, that's, that's ridiculous thought. But when they get into the science of attraction, they talk about why men find women attractive. Boy, I tell you, when you have to have science for that, you're in trouble. Why, why, why men find women attractive, why women find men attractive. They'll say, well, our, our ancestors, 26 million years ago, they felt the need to reproduce. And so they looked at the attributes and the physical characteristics of the opposite sex and said, hey, I think this is a good candidate. So that's, that's how we get to talk about sex. And, and that is why so many of us are really, really messed up, is because so many of the corners of culture that have had the talk with us about sex have not told us what we really need to know. And, and just in, in the sense of full disclosure here, I need to talk about two sources that have been strangely quiet when it comes to talking about sex. And, and the first one is the church. I mean, you know, just the idea... The church talking about sex, uh, as you saw in the video a few moments ago. But why doesn't the church talk about sex? Because let me just make it real clear to you: Madison Avenue didn't invent sex. I mean, it wasn't like some, you know, some guys up in the advertising tower in New York say, that said, hey, we came up with this new thing and we think it's really gonna be big. <laughs> and it wasn't some scientists working in a laboratory and doing some study and some, hey, we think we have hit on something. This is gonna be really big with people. No. Sex was created by God. In fact, the Bible talks about sex throughout. In fact, you don't even go go very far until you're in Genesis 2. I mean, you know, man and woman just got created. The Bible said the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I mean, the Bible was saying first two human beings didn't have any clothes and they were okay with it. And and God hits it all throughout the Bible. I mean, there's this book about the hottest, temiest sex you ever saw in your life between a man and his wife. It's called The Song of Solomon. There's, you know, the Bible talks about being honest about every kind of deviant sex that Hollywood could or couldn't dream up. It's in the book of Judges. Throughout the Bible, God talks to us very bluntly about sex. But my guess is for a lot of you, this will be the very first sermon in your life you ever heard in church where a minister was talking about sex. And why is that? Well, that's because so many ministers are just wimpy weasels. scared to death that they're going to unsettle somebody's tender sensibilities or that maybe the big givers, you know, in the church will not come back if they, if they, listen, I'll just tell you, you guys the New Springers know this already, but you're not in that kind of church because we tell like it is. And God talks about sex, but the church is strangely silent. And I think it's just, here's, here, let me just tell you guys, I, I'm not just being funny this morning. I'm being serious as a heart attack. This is my 31st year of pastoring. I've talked to men and women and kids and teenagers and have had so many issues on this. And it's just because nobody ever said, here is what God says about sex. And they were left with, they were left with competing messages. The culture is saying, do it, do it, do it with whoever and whenever you can. And they go to church and don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> Secondly, the home is strangely quiet about sex. You know, I, I tell you, I have heard some of the biggest horror stories I've ever heard have been when adults would tell me what their parents told them about sex. I mean, you just wouldn't believe it. If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And I'm not talking about cabbage, you know, cabbage patch and the stork drop me and all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about some of the stupidest stuff you ever heard in your life. Parents tell kids about sex. And, and for, for most of us, it's like this, you know. And, and so the culture has to talk with us about sex. Well, our, our title of the series is Pillow Talk. And, and in this Pillow Talk series, we're going to go to let God do some talking. Are you okay with that? I mean, we're going to let God do some talking about sex. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the reason why we've said it's five secrets about sex and love. God talks about it all the time, but his preachers have locked jaw. And the culture talks about it, but they don't understand it. And so the really important stuff, oh, guys, this is so big. The really important stuff about sex is largely a secret in our culture today? Well, we're going to dig up those secrets. I mean, we're going to lay them out here for the next five weeks. We're going to be talking straight from God about sex, and we're going to learn these secrets. We're really going to learn some important, important stuff about sex and love this series. Now, are you ready for secret number one? you got your stuff ready, if you're writing, taking down notes, here is secret number one that God wants you to know about sex. And it's this. Sex is a big deal. God wants you to know that. I mean, God is saying sex is a big deal. Now, I hear some of you right now, you're saying, Mark, I knew that before I came in. I mean, that's not a secret. Sex is a big deal. I mean, you just said a few moments ago, sex is in the movies, sex is in television, sex is in journalism, sex is what people talk about all the time around the water cooler at work, kids talking about it. I went to a football game, I heard all kinds of stuff about sex if their parents heard what I heard, I don't know what would happen. But I mean, people, you say, Mark, how can, how can sex being a big deal be a secret? Well, let's talk about that for just a moment. You know, when I listen to people and I hear what's going on and watch what's going on in our culture, they, I don't think most people know that sex is a big deal. Let me tell you what I mean. You know, you know people get off work on Friday, they kind of go out to the singles bar, and they kind of like walking around, and it's, you know, it's kind of like showroom where you're checking stuff out, and you wind up, you know, going to, home with somebody and hooking up, and maybe you never see that person again. And you say, ooh, I had a great time on Friday. Really? I mean, what did that mean? Does that mean you're a couple? Does that mean that, you know, you let somebody use your body does, does, and you say, well, I'm, and I don't know what it means and I'm going to try it again. When I look at that, I say, sex is not a big deal with that person. It may be a common deal, but it's not a big deal. And when, when somebody will say, well, why did, why did you get drunk and let somebody use your body? And you're saying, well, you know, it didn't. It's just sex. That's because sex is a little deal. A man will cheat on his wife, you know, and he get caught. And somebody will ask him, why did you do that? He said, well, it didn't really matter. I love my wife. You know, you know it, it didn't, here's the thing I hear. It didn't mean anything. See, what I'm telling you this morning is when, when it's all about sex, God wants it to mean something. God wants it to be a big deal. I think we're a culture that talks about sex. We, it's just part of the fabric of our culture. But the kind of sex people are having today, for the most part, is a little deal. People hook up. Multiple partners and stuff, and, and yet when they try to sort it out, what does it actually mean? It's a little deal. God wants you to know that sex is huge. It is big. And for some of us who grew up in church and, you know, we, we, we were taught, well, you know, we don't talk about sex For some of us, it's not the big deal that God wants it to be. You're in a marriage, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I've kind of caught him now, or I've kind of caught her now, and so we can just sort of rock on and be business partners. God wants sex to be a huge deal in your marriage. But before it can be a big deal in your life, there are three questions you have to answer, okay? Let's just let this pillow be question number one. What is the first question— that you have to answer before you can decide whether or not sex is a big deal in your life. Question number 1 is were you evolved or did God make you? you really have to determine they say well mark i just you know i don't really get into the evolution thing all that much because i you know i've grown up and i I went i had secular education like many of you did and you're saying well i i kind of like went through biology and i figured out that we all kind of evolved here but somehow on the other hand there's a god there and i'm trying to sort out the difference between the two let me tell you something if you want sex to be a big deal in your life you have to ask yourself did i evolve or did god make me Because here's the deal let's just be real straight about this and I'm gonna be the first one I will stand first in line to make this comment if if you just evolved and you got here by a lot of random rolls of the cosmic dice if you're the product of pure natural selection it doesn't matter about sex I mean you can have it as many times with as many people as you want to if all we are are animals you know, and, and we just got here through the product of some sort of uh, random natural selection, Then then sex is never going to be a big deal for you. On the other hand, if there is a God who made you and you are made in His image, which the Bible says this about God, He made us in His image. God made us three-parted. We have bodies, we have souls, which are our minds, and we have spirits, which is our our nature our apparatus for communication with god what god wants sex to be in your life in my life is god wants you to find your life partner and with that person share that awesome trichotomy that god made you sex is act, i'll be it is a physical experience it is body to body it is body but it is also soul it is something in which you share your mind with somebody else and then it's, i know i'm gonna freak some of you right now but God intends for sex to be an act of worship. The Bible says, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So here's the thing. When you have found your soulmate for life, if, if God made you, sex is a big deal, body, soul, and spirit. But I know how things are. And I'm kind of watching this election cycle, you know. And, and every once in a while, some candidate will be out there and they'll say, oh, he's for teaching creation. And it's like, from that point on, well, that person is a Neanderthal, irony intended. And it's like, my goodness, science is going to crater if we believe in evolution. Let me just tell you something. I have the world of respect for science, but there are two fundamental tenets the scientists have to to come to before they can embrace a particular body of science, and that is this. Is it testable? Is it repeatable? And with most things that scientists deal with, that is a great test. The only problem is, how do you test and how do you repeat how we all got here? And so I have friends who are evolutionists. I love talking about this. But I have friends who are evolutionists. They'll say something like this, and and I'll tell them, well, I believe in God, and and I think that all the evidence out there in the creation, all the purpose, which indicates design, which means a designer, uh, all the interrelated purposes of the, you know, and DNA, you know, all of that that points to a designer, and they'll say, oh, well, science cannot go there. See, you know, if, you, if you're talking to someone who, who is, and you may, be a, you may be someone who believes in, in, in Darwinist, Darwin, Darwinistic evolution, you know, here's what I hear, well, all the evidence, and here's what I always say to them, trot it out, lay it on the table for me. And here's what I usually hear after that, well, all smart people believe in evolution, all the scientists believe in evolution. Well, when I, when I talk to one of them and I say, well, what about the possibility of a God? They'll say, well, science cannot go there. That, that is the field of philosophy or religion. Science cannot go to the possibility of a creator. We just rule that out out of hand because that is not what science does. Well, guys, let me just tell you straight out. You take any system, you roll out the fundamental fact, the fundamental truth, and you say we can't go there, and and all you're going to wind up with is garbage. If you you remove the baseline, if you remove the fundamental fact from any science, all you have is garbage. I have a black Honda Accord out in the parking lot. Suppose we just drove that Honda Accord right up here on stage, and we're going to analyze how it got here. But from the very beginning, you know, and, and I look at that Accord. I, I know. I mean, there is. There were designers, there were builders who built my Accord in Ohio. But suppose we're going to try to analyze how it got here. But from the very beginning, we're going to say what we cannot entertain. The possibility that we cannot entertain is that it was designed and it had a builder. We cannot go there. That is that is philosophy and religion. We just cannot entertain the possibility that it had a designer and a builder. So now we're going to look at this black Honda Accord and we're going to figure out how it got here. Well, I see some tires. Maybe the asphalt got very, very hot, and a tire formed over 26 million years, and then another tire, and another tire, and another tire. We're saying, "Wait a minute! Look at that H! Look at that H on the on the hood. Doesn't that indicate something?" Oh, let's see. The owner's name is Hoover. Maybe it came out of him. You see what I'm saying? By the way, would you all like to talk about this sometime? Would you like me to just do a series on this? And, and again, you know, if, if you're here today and you say, well, Mark, I'm a Darwinist, or I believe in pure Darwinian evolution, I am so glad you're here, and I hope, you don't feel, I hope you don't feel like I'm ragging on you. But at the same time, I mean, come on, come on. And you and I have to determine, were we created or did we just evolve? That is a question that we have to look at, because here's the thing. If God created us, we're not animals. We just don't run around in the streets finding the next person to hook up with because God made us, and he intended sex to be a big thing. So we're having pillow talk today. Let me just say, you and I have to ask ourselves the question, did we evolve or were we created? And if you look at the evidence and you say, hey, Mark, I still believe we evolved, okay, then you're going to have one set of, principles and and thoughts in your life now for those of you who say well Mark I'm I'm totally secular and I'm not religious and you kind of got after me you can relax on this next one because I'm going after church people now okay (laughs) so just take a deep breath and for the rest of you who grew up in church like I did oh we got to deal with question number two and that question is are we ready to let God talk to us about sex because I'm guessing with a lot of us the answer is no if we heard what God actually said about sex, it would rock our world. And there's a reason why a lot of us who are followers of Christ have problems with talking about sex in church. And it goes back to something. And by the way, could I just tell you the next part of this message is going to be real boring. So I know we're going to, we're going to ramp this thing up next week, but for a while I'm going to get real boring. So if you'll just let me have that Lad, to, because i got to lay some foundation. i got to explain to you why we freak in church when we talk about sex. Um, for those of you who've been to college and you've studied philosophy, isn't that, isn't that a tough class? Because it's like every, every individual belief system that anybody's come up with, there's this long 12-syllable name. And then somebody says, well, I kind of agree with most of it, but I have a different idea Then all of a sudden there's a whole new 12-syllable name. I'm going to give you one right now. You ready for this? Neoplatonism. You say, woo, man, Mark, some of you have Neoplatonism. You didn't know that? You have high blood pressure, you know? You have psoriasis, and now you have Neoplatonism. Is it dangerous? Oh boy, it's dangerous. Let me, let me just break the term apart. Neo means new, in the middle is Plato. Platonism would be the teachings of the philosopher Plato. And new Platonism would be somebody who came along later and said, oh, I think he was pretty much right, and we've got some new ideas about it. And let me just say it. Here's what it basically is. It means that anything material is bad, and anything spiritual is good. And this didn't begin with Plato. Actually, it began centuries before. But there's the idea that if it's material, it's bad. If it's spiritual, it's good. Now, what happened was some of the people in the early church looked at that and said, that sounds very similar to what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the sinful nature and the spiritual nature. And by 90 years after Jesus went back to heaven, this stuff was messing up the church. Augustine came along, he got messed up with it. Martin Luther came along, he got messed up with it. And and what came about was this, in, in, in this In the second thing that we're talking about, this neoplatonism, it it went like this. Anything that pleases the body is bad because the body is bad. If it's spiritual, it's good. But if it pleases the body, it's bad. And and I'll tell you, I I, I can't tell you much about this because it's time, but I read some of the stupidest stuff that the church promulgated over the years. I was reading about some saints, which by the way, saints are people who have accepted Jesus Christ. I am Saint Mark. <laughs> well, you are saint, whatever your name is, if you've accepted Christ. That's what the Bible says. But after a while, saints became these very pious people who did what? Who said, the body is bad. i got to beat myself to pieces. I can't think, I can't have any pleasure in my life. And people became very elevated because of all these things that they did. And, and I found some strange stuff. I was reading about two a man and a woman who were traveling, and the woman was a saint. And they were hot they've been traveling all day and he came to a pool of water and he put his hands and his feet into the water to cool himself down and the woman the saint that he was with criticized him because she said you should not give yourself the pleasure of indulging in putting your body in cool water and she said I want you to know I have never been in water except for the tips of my fingers which is someone said that might explain the terminology the odor of the saints This other guy, he, he was, you know, a, a, a mosquito stung him. And before he realized what he was doing, he slapped the mosquito and killed it. And he was so concerned that he had given into the, you know, to his body and he would killed that mosquito that this is a fact. He went out and sat in a marsh where the mosquitoes were thick and let them sting him until he was covered with mosquito bites from his head all the way down to his feet. It wasn't even wrecked. stupid, stupid. Stupid. Now, here's what's happened. Over time, it is, you know, because we've taken that Neoplatonism, if it's material, it's bad. If it's spiritual, it's good. It's like, well, sex can't be good because of all the things that are fun. It's probably right up there. And so, therefore, if it's given into the body, it can't be good. And the teachings of a lot of so-called Christianity came down like this, that sex is just for procreation. It's just for having babies. It is a necessary evil. And that school of thought has gotten into the groundwater of the church and even to this day. In fact, there, there are some people now that like we've been told all our lives that sex is bad, you know, sex is not good. It's like now we're struggling because we're in a marriage and we're like, whoa, I, I don't, you know, I, neoplatonism. And see, here's the deal. When you, when you look at the Bible, God is like talking about it all the time. It's like, you know, sex, God gave sex, I mean, for pleasure, and, and, and let me just tell you something, and maybe you've never heard this before, but this is something the Bible just hits on, hits on, and hits on. God did not create sex just so that we can have babies. And a lot of people believe that. Sex is just for having babies, and oh, by the way, it's pleasurable. I want you to know God created sex for pleasure, and oh, by the way, that's how we have babies. That's what the Bible teaches. And for some of us, whew, that was 180 degrees from the way we've been taught and trained. The Bible never says the body is bad. In fact, just the opposite. Here is what the Bible says about the bodies that you and I have. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Now, again, could I just be boring for a few more moments here? Let me me talk to you about about this thing, about the body being bad and the spirit being good and all this Neoplatonism. By the end of the first century, the church was getting messed up on two fronts. Because there was one school of philosophy that said the body's bad, can't kill a mosquito, can't get in water, because after all, anything that pleases the body is bad. There was another school of thought that said, hey, wait a minute. If the body is evil, and it's going back to the dust, then I can do anything I want to do in my body, because it doesn't matter anyway. It's just I'm going to have this relationship with God, and I, wanna, I can do anything I want to with my body. And that's who Paul was writing to in the church of Corinth. Um... You know what it is? just two conclusions from the same stem. And I'm just going to try to really keep it real here for a few moments. I grew up in a wonderful church, and one of the great gifts that I got from my parents is my parents always talked about sex in a very real, I mean, it's just my family, my dad's family especially, you know, there was always just this very open, and, and I'm so grateful for that because I got such a healthy view of sex from my parents and from my grandmother. But... Um, what, what I did see when I was growing up, and sometimes I would be in like a very ultra-fundamentalist environment, and what I watched was, you know, there would be all this, man, you can't you can't hold hands, you know, you can, it's like, oh, man. And, and you grow up in this environment where you're afraid to look at a girl, you know? And then I would watch some of these kids who grew up in that very fundamentalist environment that like all of a sudden went to the extreme the other way. Why is it? It just it grows up the same stalk. This is really, this is... I probably shouldn't even say this. But when I was a kid, I would hear certain preachers, I would hear certain speakers, and it was like, sex is bad, 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 bad. Don't you dare. I mean, it was like, if you're holding hands with a girl, you're going to hell. And I thought, boy, I'm going to a really bad part of hell. (laughs) And the next thing I know, there's some scandal. This preacher's been sleeping with his secretary why is that i used to wonder why that is it's because it grows up the same stalk and it just winds up into if you think that which is material is bad that which is spiritual is good you're going to go up to you're going to go to one extreme or the other see here's the deal god's not god is saying look i made you the way i wanted you your body although it's flawed and it's part of a sinful world your body was meant to glorify god that is why paul said your body's the very temple of god and whatever you do glorify god in your body all right now that's question number one we've talked about that it's got to be got to see whether its creation or evolution question number two are you ready can you like shake the neoplatonism off brush it out of your hair unless you're like me and you don't have much hair get rid of the neoplatonism here's question number three what does God say about sex well I'm gonna be talking to you about that for the next four weeks but today I want to give you three things that will help you understand how God says what God says about sex. Now, if you're one who doesn't like things very graphic, you just might want to like close your ears for a few moments. All right, because the first thing God wants you to know about sex is it's fun, it's great, it's pleasurable. Let me read to you from the book of Song of Solomon. And, and let me just here's a guy talking to his wife. And, and there, you know, let me just read it. <laughs> your lips are sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna and nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and every other spice. You are a garden, fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. And somebody said, oh, "I just don't think they should do that in church." <laughs> Tell me, just look at this book for a moment. Tell me what this book is. The Bible, right? What does God tell me to do as a communicator of the Bible? Preach the Word. See, I mean, so many of us have listened to so many weasels up on a platform that it's like, oh, I don't think they should do that in church. Listen, it is time we got a very healthy God view of sex. Now, I'm telling you, as out there as I am, I'm not sure I want to exegete some of that stuff that guy was talking to his gal about. <laughs> but I get the idea they didn't have any problem talking about sex. They had a very healthy view. So, the very first thing God wants you to know, it is pleasurable, it is good, and God made it for pleasure. Here's the second thing that God wants you to understand is it is a need. It is a need. You know, I, I, the church has done so many dumb things through the years. I mean. It is it it is contradicted the idea that it's a need. I mean, we have religious Christian groups who have determined that their leaders cannot get married, and that's not in the Bible. God says it's a need. Listen listen to this. Here's from 1 Corinthians 7. We'll talk about this again. The Bible says, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That is a creator of the universe telling women and men that sex is a need. And to deny sex to the person you're married to would be the equivalent of denying food to a member of your family. It God, and this is hey, this isn't Mark. Don't don't email me. Email God, all right. Because <laughs> if you email me, I'll just send you all the stuff that I've got, all these verses. Man, I'm doing this with one hand tied behind my back, so don't make me let that other hand loose. <laughs> Third thing God wants you to know is that sex is good if it's right. Sex is good if it's right. We said today, God wants you to know that sex is a big deal. And what I share with you from the beginning is it's not a big deal if it's a common deal. If it's a little deal, it's not the way God wants it to be in your life. When I get out here on the highway, you know, I mean, I drive... A little faster than the limit sometimes. I usually drive two or three miles over the speed limit. I know that's, that's not spiritual, but I do it. If I'm out here on ter- Kansas Turnpike and I'm driving 74 miles an hour in my Honda, 74 miles an hour is fast, but as long as I stay in my lane and it's dry and I'm watching traffic, I'm okay. My car's meant to do that. But you know, all it takes is just a little fishtail to get out of control. And all of a sudden, 74 miles an hour is not safe anymore. I found that out driving a really tiny car. I was coming back from Texas. I've been speaking in Texas. I came back. I was at mile marker 38 over here. And it started raining and the wind started blowing. And all of a sudden, the back of my car turned loose. And I was going 73 miles an hour up the turnpike. And suddenly, I was going 73 miles an hour up the turnpike. And the only thought that was in my mind is, I'm going to hit something very hard. Listen, when sex is right, sex is good. God wants you going fast. God wants you having a good time. But you start getting out of control. And listen, God has this awesome text. This is from the book of Proverbs chapter 5. And this is especially to men. And i got to tell you something. Throughout my adult life, this, this scripture has been a big part of my life. i got to tell you, it has helped me. It has helped me stay in my lane. The Bible says, drink water from your own well. That's euphemistic, but you know what God's talking about. Share your love only with your wife. Pretty graphic here. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving, dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does examining every path he takes an evil man is held captive by his own sins there there are ropes that catch and hold him he will die for lack of self-control he'll be lost because of his great foolishness guys i gotta quit but let me lift one line out of that and i'll be through the bible says god sees clearly what a man or woman does you know what our nature is as human beings Say, so, well, I got out of my lane, but there's a reason for it. And then we'll say, well, there's this, and there's that, and there's all these mitigating factors, and 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 I'm, I can be this way about life. All of us can be this way about life. But here's what the Bible is saying: God sees clearly. There's no fog, there's no smoke, there's no haze with God. God sees clearly. Well, we just got started today, and I'm sorry for part of it being boring when I got into all that philosophy stuff. But like Emerald says, we'll kick it up a notch next week. Um, Pillar number one, did God make me or did I just evolve? And then, and by the way, I just think all of us have to deal with that question. Pillar number two, are we ready to let God talk to us? Or are we still freaking because we have neoplatonism somewhere in our veins? And number three, what does God say about sex? It's so important to see. God says it's fun. It is fun. God, God made sex for us to enjoy And it's very important for us to stay in the lanes and do what God wants us to do. So my prayer is that God will help us today as we sort of lay the fundamental, the groundwork out for Pillow Talk. Let's pray. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you for the experience that we've had together. And I just know that we all come to this series from different points of view and different issues. And and the Holy Spirit is going to be necessary to help us all hear what we need to hear and Father, I pray for all of us, myself included, that you'll help us to, to be right and to have in our hearts and minds that sex is a big deal and see it your way. Thank you for everybody here today in this whole property and all three services. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll just still pray with me for a moment now, please. I, I know what somebody's thinking here today. You're saying, Mark, boy, have I gotten out of my lane a lot of times going fast, out of control. And I'm just feeling a whole lot of guilt right now. I've been standing before people since I was 16 years old talking to them about God. And folks, let me just tell you the thing I love best about God. If you ask me, you say, Mark, what do you love best about God? It's real easy. I love the fact that he's the only one who will really let you start over. I mean, he sent his son to the world that his blood might be dipped in God's, God might dip his eraser in the blood of Christ and wash all our sins away and give us a brand new start. God is in a new beginnings. If you've never committed your life to Christ, if you've never received God's free gift of forgiveness, you say, what do I have to do? Do I have to join your church? Nope, I wouldn't do it even if you did. You couldn't buy it. How could you pay for the blood of Jesus? Only one way to receive it, and that's a gift. And if you're willing to invite Christ into your heart and life, I mean, that's what he's looking for. He's just looking for you to open the door. He'll come in. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. That doesn't, your race doesn't matter. Your creed doesn't matter. Your religion doesn't matter. You say, Mark, you don't know what I've done. I think I know what the word whoever means. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer that calls on the Lord. You don't, these aren't magic words. But if you mean them from your heart, you can repeat them after me. I'll pray it slowly so that you'll have a chance to think about each line. If you're ready, here we go. Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I've sinned against God. But I believe Jesus died in my place. I believe his blood paid for my sin. Please come into my life. Forgive me. Transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me, when you came in, like I said earlier, you got a worship folder. There's a part that's detachable. Would you just fill it out and check the box and say, I pray with you to receive Christ. And if you do, all you have to do is drop that in the boxes by the back doors of the offering plate. And I have a gift I want to mail you. It won't cost you a penny. It's just a packet that's got some DVDs and some incredible material to help you start walking with god it is totally free it's just for you you say mark i'm not part of new spring not a problem we just want you to have a connection with god so if you will drop if you just say i, I pray to receive christ you drop it in the boxes are at the bottom of the galleries stairways and if you're like me and you don't like to wait which i hate to wait for anything you don't have to i'm going to point right through the middle through the back doors there you can go straight out from there there are two areas called guest services and new spring store And if you don't want to wait for this, if you pray to receive Christ, just bring your card back and hand it to them. You don't have to recite the Gettysburg address. Just say, I pray with Mark and they'll give it to you. And you can take it home today. And after the Cowboys are on, you can watch this. No, this is much better than the Cowboys. Watch it before the Cowboys. Come on. So um, I just want to thank you for being here. God bless you.